Jets 13, Giants 10. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by CQ. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And the Giants lost the 2023 MetLife Bowl in a game, Justin, where, I mean, I, I was tweeting about how the Giants won the game, right? Like, Kayvon called game with that third sack, right? Which I've, I've been risky with that before in the past, and it's never come back to bite me. It finally came back to bite me. I, I cannot believe that the Giants ended up losing this game, even though if you told us that Tommy DeVito was playing the entire second half versus the Jets, you would predict it. But the way this game was going, I felt confident from 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 play from play you know play one until until overtime essentially until the last play of regulation when I knew we were on the overtime that we were getting a tie at best. Justin, how are you? I'm not good. Um. I'm totally dejected, man. This this feels like 2015, 2010 levels of dejection for me. And what makes like people will point to the 2018 losses to like Jake Elliott and the Eagles, and even hey Graham Gano kicking a how do you like that Graham Gano kicking a 60 yard field goal against the Panthers. Those were games that I wasn't at. Man, being at MetLife Stadium for such a lousy game, and getting back like I was I got back into the season and I thought that they could maybe make something of this season with with the way that this defense is playing and man did this team just break our hearts stomp on it and then spit on it on the way out and being at MetLife Stadium you know really I think put the icing on the cake for me I was like legit angry leaving this game sitting in the rain and the cold for three hours and to end it in in that way in that crushing way it just it stinks stinks yeah, I mean, just in the last three weeks, the Giants uh, versus their opponents, the Giants are averaging 11 points per game. Their opponents are averaging 11.3 points per game. Like, they could so easily be 3-0 and uh, in this stretch, you know, uh, without Daniel Jones. I'm thinking, like, man, that's, that's, that's stellar, right? And when DJ comes back, let's see what can happen with this season. Instead, they are 2-6. and six. It's Sure to be sellers at the trade deadline, or at least should be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, you know, and, and thinking, and now we're thinking about how we could be four at five and three or four and four at worst. If you had an offense that was just like the 25th best offense in the NFL instead of the 32nd, which they have, and probably by a decent margin after the Patriots last couple of games. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's so crazy that most of my like thoughts right now, this is why I'm angry because most of my thoughts right now are so like defense good and man like yeah the offense obviously needs to get better but offense was really just playing with like their hands tied behind their back this game and the running game like did kind of keep some things afloat in the second half like a lot of my a lot of my thoughts are like man like they they won it but they very much very much lost the game and like, well, can I tell you what really like you're we're talking like offense defense special teams it, again is the thing that is like bothering me the most about this team again yeah, yeah I mean we'll we'll I want to talk about that in a second but we should be fawning over we should be starting this pod and it'll start one part a year where we just like hey we got to talk defense before offense because this is I mean is this the best defensive game the Giants have had since we've been doing talking Giants since 2019 like Maybe. definitely Maybe, maybe, Bobby, this is the only close comparison. And this was against a much better offense at the time. I was sitting there throughout the majority of the second half saying, this is the 2020 Seahawks game. 
where they had like one or two good drives of really running the ball well, playing with a backup quarterback, and just playing absolutely lights out defense with a really good pass rush. I, I'm like, this is the Seahawks game from 2020. But this was a game where they just were like, it's not even close. They're dominant. Like, this is just, they're smothering teams, uh, smothering the offense, regardless of opponent. But it, yeah, we should be fawning over how great this defense played. And instead, we're going to be talking about special teams and losses. I want to talk about Dable, play calling, and field yeah. goal kicks in a second. But we got to start with this with Tommy DeVito. And this is where I'm the most mad, where I think this game was probably lost on a decision made three weeks ago and not decisions made in game today. Why is Tommy DeVito on this roster as a backup for three weeks? For three weeks when you have zero faith in him to run an offense. You have zero faith to run an offense on this guy and you have him as your backup QB to the injury-prone Tyler uh, Tyrod Taylor for three weeks while you know Daniel Jones is going to be out for some time. Probably going to miss five games minimum or four games minimum. Uh, why is that? Why did when you brought in Mark, Matt Barkley and Ian Book, you didn't even bring them on the team just to get them up to speed on the playbook, right? And specifically Matt Barkley. Um, why? When you have a use, like that's the Giants played offense in the second half, like it was the Bears game last year when DJ and Tyrod Taylor got hurt, where it's like, okay, we're just going to literally put DJ in the game and just have him hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley every single down, down in, down out, or go out and get in the Wildcat offense. Like, why? Why did you, like, that is, and you know me, I'm not like huge on like, you got to have backup QB, but why in the world was Matt Barkley not brought in on the practice squad and elevated as your backup who's familiar with this offense and can actually like play quarterback in the NFL as a backup level? That's, that's insane to, 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 in the second half of a game to run the ball 24 times and throw, and throw it once. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, you, you can't even ask Tommy DeVito to throw a, a curl. An out route, a drag, you know, J- Jalen Hyatt running a drag or n- nothing. Not Darius Slayton running a slant. Couldn't ask him to make any any of those throws. And I know the Jets are crashing down on the quick game, whatever. And they definitely would have been crashing down on the quick game even more with Tyrod Taylor out. I I, I don't know, man. Listen, I, I I this is actually one thing where I believe Brian Dable when he said after the game, the game plan, especially when Tyrod Taylor goes out, was to run the ball, run the game through Saquon Barkley, and play good defense and trust the defense. And I legitimately believe that that is a Joe, that is a Joe Judge answer, but I 100% believe him when he says that because they were simply were operating on offense to punt the ball back and give it back to their defense to do something positive, which yeah. most of the time happened. I agree with that statement of, hey, we want to run the ball, play good defense, you know, have some good field position. Limit too, mistakes, right? too, which that, you know, limit mistakes, too, from Tommy DeVito, because you ask him to throw the ball and he throws an interception, then you're giving points to the Jets. Sure, but you can, you can, you can not have a, like, so you, you, they actually did let him drop back in the first half when he first came in for Tyrock, right? Like, you let him drop back on the first two drives he was out there. He had a third down scramble, which he slid, which I actually agreed with because he couldn't have. Actually, I don't agree with it now because they didn't even use him anyways. Um, so might as well go out there and get the first down. And then that pass that was batted on the third down angle route to Saquon. Oh, my God, that was a touchdown. That was a touchdown to Saquon Barkley. So why not try that again? 
why not try something similar to that? Because they were just playing. They were playing. They were playing their defense like you were in the Wildcat. Because you essentially were, were like right that. And then after the half, you have a twenty-four to one run to pass ratio with Tommy DeVito, right? And there's even other dumb shit within it, right? Like you're running draw plays on third and six. Like, are you serious? A draw play? You're gonna you're gonna make them think you're passing the ball. Yeah, really, really again, long I'm not, developing one too. Very strange. You, you yeah, that was the one I'm talking about. You absolutely need to run the ball more than you need to throw it with Tommy DeVito, even though the fact that Tommy DeVito should not be your backup QB anyways. And again, it's a decision that should have been made three weeks ago. Um, and I think they they know this, right? Like we watched him in camp, and we're like, hey, maybe he can come in next year and compete for the backup QB. But I don't think either one of us thought he was ready for backup QB in the NFL. Now he's kind of more of a meme than he is a backup QB throw the ball on third and fives and just hey have like a very like hey be be careful with the ball be careful with if you get man coverage and your guy wins throw it if not dirt it take a sack right because then at least at least they respect some type of passing offense get into a second five and just and throw the ball or second and three and throw the ball run some play action off of it to not do it at all it just gave it to them right and then you start overtime justin and you're like, okay, we're those play calls in overtime were insane. It was literally like just passing the ball just to say that you threw the ball, right? Just throwing swing passes to Saquon Barkley and then a third down screen, right? And not even just like design swing passes, just like drop back, Tommy DeVito within one second, like, okay, nothing wide open. Let me check it down to Saquon Barkley. It's insane to have that as your backup QB plan with Tyrod Taylor starting for you. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man, and I and I respect that this is where you want to start the show, but that this is not where my brain, it's not where my brain goes to 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 start because the Giants, even despite all of these things you're saying offensively, the the team the team should have still won the game, and the offense put did barely enough, barely enough, to put the team in a position to win, which I'm not saying hooray offense. This is not nobody should be claiming that I'm saying that, but. That's not where my brain goes to with the overall approach of like run to pass and yada yada. That's not where my my brain. Where goes does your to. brain go to? My brain goes to is that Graham Gano missed two field goals to and and even if you make one a thirty five yarder, which is basically an extra point, um, that wins you the game. That's where my brain goes to. And you know we can this even goes into the fourth and one decision as well. Um, you know they ran the ball how many times you know today and they barely cracked four yards per carry. Um, Saquon no, they didn't Barkley, even get four yards per carry with their running backs. Saquon Barkley didn't even crack four yards per carry. I think it was like 3.3 yards per carry. So, I mean, you know, third and one and fourth and one, asking this team to get 36 inches by running the ball is a really tough ask. And I know a lot of people were clamoring to, to go. A field goal wins you the game. A 35-yard field goal wins you the game. So I actually think the field goal that they missed earlier in the game, Dable should have went for it because at that point you didn't realize how this game was – that's the one where I was like, just, you got to go for it. That's when Tyrod was in the game. The one at the end of the game, I agree. The, like you said, the field goal wins the game. And like you mentioned, like, oh, the Giants just get one yard. The Saquon had six negative runs in this game. And so now there's this thing, and I was kind of like, was, was he not healthy? Because uh, Grinnell's only made, made 64% of his kicks this year. He hasn't looked right? good. And then Arch Stapleton reported this morning that he's battling with pain and that he's probably going to need surgery after the season. Terrific. Right. Here's the thing, and this is where if you give a head coach a kicker and tell him he's available to kick, you cannot have this bullshit of like, oh, well, 
You got to take advantage. Like, no, that, that was an extra point level of field goal that wins the game. It wins the game if you kick a field goal and, and Graham Gano does. He made a field goal early in the game and he made an extra point at the same exact range. So you either tell the coach that his kicker is available to kick or you say it's not unless it's really short distance. You have to do it. Um, because that, that, the idea that, oh, well, he's banged up. You can't go in there. A field goal wins the game. And the reason he missed wasn't because he was injured. He was injured because, uh, Will McDonald jumped over Casey Kreider and DJ Davidson on that kick and forces him to push it. That's, it's not because they were injured. And once again, our special teams are putting holes for teams to go and block kicks. If Cano kicks it straight down the middle, it is blocked because our special teams. And here's something I don't know. I did a little bit of looking up. The guards were switched on the field on the that last miss. Where I even looked back at Buffalo and I didn't look at every single one, but usually it's Pew at left and Davidson at right. On that last one, Davidson was at left and Pew was at right. That's could be something that's a hundred percent normal. I want to figure that out before Monday at noon, but that is something that I noticed. And Davidson was the one that got jumped over. Yeah. And right? Will so, McDonald, who was not on the field, this is on the Jets side of things. <laughs> Will, excuse me, Will McDonald, their first round pick, was not on the field for the first two field goal attempts of the game. He comes on the field for the final field goal attempt, jumps over Casey Kreider and DJ Davidson, almost blocks. And there, and there, there's other people that are saying in the replies, well, Graham Gano's head is is down, so it doesn't matter where Will McDonald is because Graham Gano is not focusing on, on that guy. And I, and I call bullshit on that too. Kickers are always aware of if there's guys coming in or, or, or block, you know, there's if there's guys that are ready to block the kick, they're aware of all of that. We we see kickers all the time adjust to where the ball is kicked, depending on where a block may or may not be coming from. So, um, and you know, and here's my thing too about Graham Gano being hurt. If Graham Gano is out there, if Graham Gano is active, then it is my expectation that he should make kicks, and then if it's on the coaching staff, if they're running him out there. When he isn't healthy and he isn't making kicks and he shouldn't be out there, then it's on the coaching staff. But also, yet again, the Jets make some sort of adjustment on special teams. They bring Will McDonald out there and Thomas McGahee, for whatever reason, can't get his guys ready to properly block a field goal. And it also lost us Andrew Thomas earlier in the year, too. Maybe it's the win's fault. Um, but yeah, yeah maybe I agree it's the with wind you. and knocking down the fucking racetrack in the Meadowlands. I I agree with you hundred percent though. Like the idea that was, I have lots of issues. Like I talked about with Dable, um, the whole run the pass ratio, and I, if you don't think he had a part in who was the QB two during this stretch, you're, you know it's not just Joe Shane being, you know, deciding. Nope, you know we don't we don't want need Matt Barker. That's a Brian Dable decision as just as much as it is a Joe Shane. Uh, the draw plays the beginning and. We'll talk about Kafka, but those in a game like this where you're like Brian Dable is heavily influencing the play calling, right? This is not just like when when your QB goes down, your head coach who's an offensive mind is going to heavily like influence what the play calling is. So I put it more on Dable than I would Kafka if you want to talk overall play calling. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you, you, forget the 47-yard field goal. Graham Gano's hurt, whatever. You make a 35-yard field goal at the end of the game, you win the game. It's over. I mean, yeah, and, it's and then over. we're and then we're coming on here. MetLife killed me today. We're coming on here, and I'm comparing this victory to the 2020 victory against Seattle, and how and I had so much fun in the stands 
at MetLife Stadium today. I had so much fun because this was a game where, in a way, it's like, well, we expect to win rivalry with the Jets. So much was going wrong. I mean, the you know, we're... The defense is playing awesome. The defense is playing lights out, but so much is going wrong offensively. We're down to our our, our backup emergency quarterback and Tyrod Taylor. I mean, you know, you knew exactly what the Giants were going to do offensively. There was a point where the Giants were running the ball kind of well in the second half, and it and again it felt like it was twenty twenty versus Seattle. You know, so we were going to come on and we were going to have that kind of moment, and because of a stupid thirty five yard field goal, it was taken away, taken away. Yeah, and again, like if if you don't think Graham Gano should have been out there kicking, that is on the training staff and Graham Gano for either Correct. not self-reporting or the training staff thinking he's okay enough. Uh, that's not on the head coach. You cannot you if you either give the head coach the opportunity saying he's good to go to kick or don't. Um, so uh, and also I, I, if there's one decision I agree with Brian Dable on, it's kicking that field goal. Yeah, I I, I 100 agree. Also, Dan, Dan Duggan, I think Dan Duggan reported that. It was in either direction, one of the directions. And I think it was the, I think it was the direction that Gano kicked the final field goal in. I have a fifty percent chance of being right, fifty percent chance of being wrong. Dan Duggan reported that there was a side of the field where Gano was missing some some warm up kicks in. So again, isn't that on the special teams coordinator? And isn't that on the kicker? Forget the kicker, because the kicker can think kickers should think that you can make every every kick. Isn't that on the special teams coordinator to take note if there's a certain side of the field that the kicker is struggling with pre pregame? And it, you know what? And if and if that's the side that Gano is struggling with, then maybe you do go for it on fourth and one, knowing that he's hurt, knowing that he's been ineffective this year. Then maybe you do go for it. It's just as much on McGee here as it is Gano, in my opinion. Yep, I I agree 100. percent Um, can't believe we just. Ran. I can't believe this. So many games this year, man. So many games this year. We're, we're talking about fucking special teams. I can't believe it. And and, and it all and it all boils down to, to each other, Bobby. This it all it's a it's a trickle down effect because a lot of people are talking about game and time management or game and time mismanagement. It felt like a strength of this coaching staff last year. And you thought with another year in the books that it would become more of a strength for Dable and the game management analytics team, whatever. You thought that they would get better. But between Buffalo a couple weeks back, where I thought that they, you know, they butchered that a little bit, this Jets game, and then also you add on top the special teams mistakes, and then also you add on top not being able to trust an offensive line to pick up 36 inches on a fourth and one. All these things trickle down to each other to add to this football team being a disaster. 32nd in passing, number or 32nd in scoring, negative nine passing yards. So they're probably going to drop down to 32 in passing. That's an NFL record, I'm pretty sure. No, their record is negative 45 yards. Oh, okay. Then somebody lied. It's. I think it's. I think it's like the 20. I looked at it, it's the 29th worst team game. I don't know about individual player passing stats. Maybe that could be it for Devito, but just team passing the record's negative forty five. The Broncos in like the seventies did it. What was Tommy Devito's average depth of target? I they didn't show up on uh, next gen. I looked for that actually. I, that I, I know it. What do, what do you oh. think it is? Points point seven yards. Minus two point two air yards. Minus two point two? Oh my god. That's his average depth of target. That's insane. That's insane. That's insanity. It's insanity. Uh, 
I mean, there's really not much to talk about offensively besides the fact that it's like a gritty performance from Saquon Barkley where they know they're running the ball every single play, right? And three and a half yards per carry is not very good. But considering that there was no threat of the pass, I think that is fairly solid, especially with how the rest of the year is the run game went. It's not like they've been at, been you know top of the league at yards per carry. You know, you had that 34 yard run. You had a couple third down conversions that were you know third and four and third and fives. Um, I I thought it was it's just a gritty performance. Most touches Saquon's ever had in a game, and you end up losing that game. Yeah. Um. What week are we in? Nine. This is week eight. This is week eight. Oh, Next Gen really has not updated their their site at all today. So bad job on Next Gen. I wanted to check Barkley's Next Gen numbers. Yeah, I, I think gritty's the right word to use. And man, you know, breaking some tackles. And I, I did have a thought when Saquon was breaking that thirty four yard run. I did have the 2018-2019 Saquon Barkley breaks that for a touchdown and he doesn't get caught. But we need to stop doing that because that's not, I guess, you know, that's. It's not who Saquon is anymore. Uh, I, but I also believe, congratulations to Saquon Barkley. He is officially fifth all-time in Giants rushing yards in franchise history. Broke that today. Congre- congratulations. See, I know we're going we're gonna to do some trade deadline quick stuff at the end. But since we're talking about Saquon and like this performance and this team and how there's kind of like offensively, there's – I mean, the Giants are not making the playoffs this year. And offensively, it's not going to be great. Their running game is horrible. Right with Saquon Barkley, one of the best backs in the NFL. They told Saquon Barkley he's not being traded. Why does Saquon Barkley, and I know the answer to this question, why does Saquon Barkley not want to be traded? <laughs> because his football life would be so much better on another team outside of the New York Giants. You know, and I understand. he One, he understands what the New York market can do for him, and I think that he's hyper he's hyper aware of some stuff like that, stuff like that. But you kind of look at like the way this team is going and how this last year's contract negotiations went and looking at how like again he's had one game over four yards per carry this year I think um and that was Dallas and, like I I'm, I just don't understand why he wants to still be on the New York why would he not want to be traded he looked pretty good in Baltimore. Or whoever, but it's just, <laughs> yeah. Imagine like Juan and Odell back on the same team. Yeah, um, that wasn't even my first thought, but yes, that would be that would be a, his, a story. His line. best efficiency day game of the season was versus the Cowboys. Yeah, right. He cares about that L word, man, and that L word is legacy. And he and also the another another L word is loyalty. Um, think of another L word, Bobby. Uh, I, he cares about those things. Losing. He, he he clearly maybe cares about that too. Um, yeah. Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams loves Leonard Williams. Another L word loves uh, loyalty and and legacy. Those are the two Lucrative things. Off field con- uh, endorsements. Mm. That's my comment. Lieutenant Lo- loyalty, Dan. Lo- loyalty and legacy. Lick my balls. All right. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. After the game, I was like, you know what? JMS, did he? I had like, it was a quick like, oh, that, of course, right? I'm like, JMS didn't, I don't think he gave up any pressure to like Quentin Williams. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they didn't throw the ball at all. Yeah. And had a negative two average depth of target. Uh, so, who's number oh, 70? Is 70 John Franklin Myers? Quentin Jefferson. Quentin Je- no. Set, yeah, Quint, yeah, Quentin Jefferson. He, he, he looked pretty darn good. And I think a lot of it was over JMS. 
Did well, he see? Okay. I, it was hard for me to look at the interior because he was actually the guy I thought they should have ran at because he gets he gives up ground on double teams. I know he had he did have one play on JMS earlier in the game where he had a, like a quick move on him in the run game. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say on offense, right? They didn't. We basically hit it all. No, Darren Waller's out with a hamstring injury. Wonderful, right in time for his revenge game versus the Raiders. Oh yeah. Um. There's only one tight end on the roster, and that comes up again. Please get a fucking blocking tight end. Please, please. I've been begging for this since since Chris Myrick and Tommy Sweeney got injured. How many running uh, backs do we have on the roster? Four. How many we do we use? We have six receivers, two that we don't use at all. We have two safeties who are healthy scratches every single week. Yeah. It seems like a tight end is important in this offense. Insane. Insane. I would at least rather, like, like, even though I'm not the biggest fan of having Lawrence Cage as your tight end three, at least have a, a, a tight end on the roster. Allow you to do some of your play action shit. But no. Uh, but no. Defensively, before we get into the defense, Justin, the tailgate, Candlewick, Diner, they were the best, right? Always, always are the best. Um, people love the food today. I, oh, I had some of the wings. I had some of the buffalo wings. So good. MetLife tried to kill me. Candlewick Diner gives me life, though. They give me life. No, yeah, that's not a good ad. You just said they give you lice. They do not give you lice. No, no, no. They give me life. They're located a mile up the road from MetLife Savings. Guess what? They got make the food at the Candlewick Diner, pull it up to the tailgate, still nice and warm because they're located a mile up the road from MetLife Savings. They packed up the car really quick, got to L16. Food is nice and hot and warm. It's a perfect spot for a pregame breakfast or post-game dinner and drinks. They got a full-service bar, in-house bakery. I love getting a dessert. I bring, I drop it off to my mom after whenever I go to the Candlewick Diner. Get dessert for my mom because she loves it. They also have free delivery as well. They have an extensive menu, huge menu. I never know what to get when I'm there, whether it's breakfast, whether it's burgers, steaks, pasta. Thank you to the Candlewick Diner for being the first supporter of Talking Giants in terms of like these local businesses, and also like the first catering provider of us as well. Check out the Candlewick Diner in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for all your diner favorites. Thank you to always giving us food for our awesome tailgates, and we had a lot of fun today despite it being a pretty shitty weather tailgate. So thank you to the Candlewick Diner. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Be glad you did. Lawrence Tynes just tweeted out, incredible play by 99, but let me just clear the air here. There's This is 100% false. Kickers, he's talking about a Rich Samini tweet about it. Kickers do not see the rush. Your head is down on the football. It's just a poorly hit ball, nothing to do with the rush. It's blocked anyways, but I figured we'd clear that up. Because I said that, I said that that might have affected his kick. Um, nonetheless, you, you it's still can't, getting... You can't tell me. I guess Lawrence Tynes is telling me this, but... You, kickers heads are down and they're just kicking the ball willy-nilly willy and they're not paying attention to where a guy might be you would see kickers kick ball straight into people's faces more often if that was the case i mean i'm looking at his eyes and he is looking down at the ball i mean that's what i mean that's a kicker saying that it's hard to argue with that yeah I, I know i know but I, i'm just thinking from my brain well that's why you want to be a good kicker um, i would be a terrible kicker all right, Justin, this defense, man, I, I, this would have been one of those episodes where we start with a defense, like the one a year where we're like, we got to get the defense. We got to talk about defense. Well, fuck this offense. 
Another dominating performance, and it's totally wasted. 13 points, 7 points, and 14 points allowed in the last three games. 11.3 points. Maybe Xavier McKinney was speaking into existence after the Dolphins game. The, you're not, what we're not going to do is blame the defense. Yeah, we were like, what are you talking about, bro? It's like he just gave up <laughs> over 500 yards, 300 in the air, 200 on the ground. He, he, was, he was speaking that into existence. Um, third down conversions the last two games, 3 of 30, 2 of 15 in this game. I mean, basically every single player on defense was dominant outside of Deontay Banks. Like, it was just a dominant performance and adore Jackson at the end of the fucking game. Um, and it started with Kayvon, man. And he was my giant factor for this game, right? Because uh-huh. I was like, okay, we talk about, hey, you went against some backups. Um, you know, you don't have the pressure numbers. He showed up after all the talk on radio and shit this week. It was like, okay, Mekhi backed in. Oh, yeah, but Mekhi backed in and Max Mitchell. This is a great barometer to see how good you are. Because if you are a really good rusher in year two, this is the type of game you got to dominate. Not just have a good game, but this is the type of game you have to dominate if you want to be in the, just the, I'm not going to compare him to Micah Parsons and shit like that, but like in the Aiden Hutchinson range. And he went out there and did it, man. Three sacks, three QB hits, three tackles for a loss. I mean, his sacks were all impactful. You had the strip sack, which led to the three points on the three and out. And then the last drive, what should have been the last drive of the game, you have a first and 10 sack to make it second and 20, and then a fourth oh. down game winning sack. And again, they were all beautiful. The first two cornering on Makai Becton, right? Just getting around the corner. The first one better than the second. And then the third one, man, going up against Max Mitchell, not Becton. He throws a little inside move, gets him to jump in, and then pops back out. I mean, that's that's a sick move and like being in the head of an offensive tackle type shit. That's being in your bag. And that was a game-winning sack. Or what should have been the game-winning sack. Yeah. You keep saying game-winning sack, and it was not. Uh, Bobby Skinner sneezing off camera gives me a chance to talk about how good of a game Kayvon Thibodeau had. And yet he did. And, you know, Bobby, one of the things that we were saying on the mailback pod is he's forcing negative plays. Like, that's not Kayvon Thibodeau's issue this year. His issue this year is being a dominant player. Now, you're not going to have a three-sack, three-tackle-for-loss, three-QB hit one force fumble game every single game. You're not going to have that. But I'll tell you the stat that impresses me the most. Six solo tackles, nine combined tackles. And I don't just mean, you know, tackles sometimes could be like, oh, whatever. Dude, he was impactful even in the run game too. Because Brees Hall, how many how many carries did Brees Hall have? How many yards did Brees Hall have? Brees Hall was really locked down today. That was like the main worry that we had about this Jets offense. Kayvon Thibodeau was impactful, not just in the negative plays that he forced, which he did force a lot of them, a shit ton of them, but Kayvon Thibodeau dominated almost every single play of this game, setting the edge, tackles for loss, making run stops. That is where, like, uh, we, you're not going to have a dominant, like a dominant game like this every single week from, from Kayvon Thibodeau. But man, it was just really cool to see him take over a game where he has the ability to take over games like this. It was awesome to see. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we do want to see out of five being the number five overall pick. Yeah, and again, like, he had three QB hits in this game. He had one for the entire season going into it. I'm sure there's a lot more pressures that uh, that will get added to the mix once those numbers do come out. And then obviously having the three sacks. He has eight and a half sacks this year, right? Um which I think is like third in the NFL. Yeah. Well, those, right over there. Those are drive-ending plays. Those are drive-ending. Like the sack it, outside of an interception is the best play that a defense can make. Or, or outside of a turnover. 
man, I am not all right over here. You're right. Um, three three sacks, man. Just and they were all nice. They were his best sacks of the year, right? Where he works that outside inside move, which is good. But to win consistently in the NFL, you got to work the corner. That's how pass rushers win, and that's what all three sacks were. Um, so it was nice to him. You know, it was nice to see him come out after uh, all the you know the talk this week and just perform, right? Not have to come out and and say a bunch of bullshit. Just come out and perform. Yeah. Um, Eight tackles which, for loss on the year too. Yeah. Which again, like the whole radio thing last week, it was like. They kind of agreed with us to a point, but they had these stupid criticisms like his body was with yeah, one. Yeah, no. We're, and the other one was like that. saying like talking off the field. Or it's like Kayvon hasn't done that at all. No. He hasn't done any type of like uh, – besides the way he dresses coming into games. Which who, who cares? That's yeah, not well, yeah, exactly. how you play. So, so it's not like he's out here like, you know, fucking getting into it in arguments with fans on Twitter and tweeting a bunch of cryptic bullshit. Like he just kind of showed up and played. Um. So, uh, awesome stuff from Kayvon. Hopefully, continue this. Continue this, right? Continue to have five, six pressure games, right? Even when the sacks aren't there. Because the sacks aren't going to be there all, all, you know, every single right. game. Have or Continue even, to have yeah. the pressures, the quarterback hits, and just and that's what we wanted for you for this year as a whole. It started out very badly the first, first three games of the year. He looked like Oshane Zimenez out there. Got better. And these last two games, I think, have been his best yeah. by far. Even run stops, too. Like, I, I think teams... Teams openly do not want to run the ball to Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. And especially now that Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden are playing a little bit better, I think running the ball up the middle against the Giants is not the smartest plan. So running it towards the outside, running it towards the tackles, maybe you can get some linemen out in space and trying to take advantage of, you know, what the Giants' edge rushers certainly are not the best against the run. Um, so if Kayvon can continue to do the things that he did today against the run, I think that will continue to allow the defense to take steps up um, in terms of how they can dominate. Uh, Bobby, the, so the Giants had nine QB hits today. Kayvon Thibodeau had three. Um, there were two other players that combined for the other six. Who are they, and how many did each of them have? Dexter Lawrence had five. Jason Pinnock had one. Yeah, Dexter did Lawrence I, did had Did I guess played, correctly? You did, you, did you look at the game book? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Okay. Um, you know you guessed correctly. Crap. Dexter Lawrence uh, had quite him had had, a, had a quite a game again. Dexter Lawrence, I think, took out. He like, had a sack too. Like it wasn't just QB hits. He had a sack. Five. Didn't QB Dexter hits. Lawrence take out uh, the first two string starting centers for the Jets? Yeah, you well, not even because uh, Tipman was out, so they took out McGovern and then they moved the guard, the backup guard, over to center. Took him over, and you had like the most Justin tweet of all time, which is like yep. you're kind of like the. Like the more normal of the talking giants, like and you're like this guy's like dead on the field, and you're just like Dexter Lawrence just dominated this, like just no, no, I said he dog this. walked him. Yeah, dog dog walked him, and the guy's like dead on the field. Oh, he's all right. He got up. Yeah, I know, but it was just very. I know, I, like, it's just very funny because every once in a while you run into one of those tweets where people are like, "Not the time, bro." I was. Can I tell you the time that I almost got canceled? Remember, it was 2019. Oh, that was such a miserable game against. The oh Cardinals. yeah, when you said no, it was when you said Kyler, like go try to injure Kyler Murray. I did. I I was saying I kind of want Kyler Murray to leave this game with an injury, because the game was still somewhat close. So if Kyler Murray left, I thought the Giants could come back and win. That was 2020. Um, it was 2020. Yeah, that was a Patrick Graham defense. All right, then I was home. I was not at the game. Um, yeah, I mean you held the team that was number three in yards per carry. 
this year to 2.6, right? Cave on setting the edge. Bobby O'Carrick. Now they did get Bobby O'Carrick and McFadden missed tackles and DBs on the, uh, the Brees Hall screen pass for a touchdown. But Bobby O'Carrick was reading everything perfectly and McFadden was playing fast. Uh, Ashawn Robinson had a really nice third and one stop. He also had a tackle for a loss. Like he was, he was on his play. I think Ashawn Robinson to me has been one of the more, I won't say underrated because he's not getting the snaps that, you know, he's not getting, he's not getting consistent snaps, but when he's on the field, he is very good to me, but it's just, he just doesn't play consistently when you have two guys over him. Uh, so you were able to do that. And then again, going back to the pass rush, you had Kayvon and Dex. Cordell fought two third down coverage stops. And then the biggest play was poking that ball out to, uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Wilson. In, the, in the deep hole, uh, you know, that deep hole in the zone. Uh, like, Flawed is just like, when he has inside leverage, and he's in big moments, like, he just, actually, one was a second down, but just makes these big plays, right? And maybe teams will start working outside leverage. And he also gets, it, here's the thing, it's like, you have these good plays. When I do the film review, he makes, like, mistakes. Not just like, oh, he took the wrong leverage on this. Like, just will forget to cover the guy that he's supposed to cover, right? Like, if Sam Howell on the third down before the fourth down stopped in the last week, if he just doesn't throw the alert to Terry McLaurin, he has an easy touchdown because Cordell Flott messed up his his uh, his his responsibility. He has all these other plays. But when you just put him in man coverage, you're like, hey, go fight for inside leverage, he just consistently is able to win that and recover. Um, and... So he's kind of a player where I don't care what happens in training camp next offseason. He should be in there competing and not being banished to the bench because he's showed he's shown that he can play coverage in games. Yeah. Break up balls, forcing completions. I feel like that's like the, one of the biggest things that you could do as a secondary player right now. And dude, he shows up in big moments. That's like the crazy thing. Just show, shows up and has a tendency to show up in big moments and do that kind of stuff. So Cordell yeah. Flott's becoming one of my favorites. Yeah, so it's, again, it's unfortunate that this game was lost because this defense had a fucking all-time performance. Now, the one negative was Deontay Banks. Garrett Wilson got seven catches for 100 yards, uh, including including the overtime third down uh, where Banks had ended up going, called DPI. Banks continues to struggle at the catch space. He did have that one pass breakup that was very, very nice. Wilson's a tough matchup. Um, very. But but Banks, Banks had probably, Banks probably had his worst like start to finish game, right? Tough matchup though, man. Tough matchup yeah. for a rookie. Well, you knew anytime they like, and that we talked about this on the preview pod, Justin. It's like whenever you and now they had a great defensive plan, but like the one thing Zach Wilson does do well is like when you give him a clean man coverage look, even if you pressure him, he'll just fire that ball in there to Garrett Wilson, and that's essentially. That's essentially all their offense was outside of the uh, Brees Hall screen and then the last play of the yeah. game. I mean, there were some even the even the DPI that Banks had. Garrett Wilson still made the catch, right? Yeah. I mean, so uh, and he and there was the the toe dragging play where Dable challenged it in the second half, and he you know that he comes down with that ball. So Garrett Wilson's just gonna make plays like that because that's who Garrett Wilson is. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's there are certain things that Banks needs to get better with, like you said, catch space and you know maybe even at the release, like we talked. Yeah, about Yeah, he got camp, beat by but... McLaurin twice last week for big plays. So yeah. he's just he's again, but they they are just putting him on wide receiver once too. Like Adoree was healthy in this game, and they did yeah. not put they did not put him on Garrett Wilson. Yeah, for sure. 
Banks Banks followed him around the field. Adoree, we we've talked about Adoree's struggles against the run. I was keeping my eye on this throughout a little bit, little bit of the game. Adoree Jackson was coming off the field on first and second down, and Nick McLeod was coming into the game pretty consistently. And I, I know, in years past, I thought that Adoree Jackson's like one of his strengths. I thought was his run defense. We've given him compliments over it. I think even going back to last year. This last year, year was like the one good, really good year of it. This year just isn't it. And they brought Nick McLeod in, who you know they see as like a bigger corner and. You know, they tried him even at safety at certain points this summer and this year. So Dory Jackson came off the field first and second down. Now, not every team is going to be like the Jets where they have such a disaster at quarterback and you really want to stop the run. So I don't know if it was just game plan specific for this week, but Dory Jackson coming off the field and kind of checking in on third downs or checking in on some pass specific uh, situations. So if there is one guy, I know we're not talking about this yet. Um, if there is one guy for me, I don't think I think the Giants are going to be pretty quiet this trade deadline. If there is one guy for me that it just makes the most sense to move on from, it's it's Adoree Jackson. Well, let's move on to that segment. Justin, I'll be up in New York next Sunday, so let's play the game. Let's play the game. Will we be covering this player, Adoree Jackson? I I don't I don't I don't think the Giants make any moves. I think they're going to stand pat because I don't. So yes, I'm gonna. Say, I basically want to say yes to every single one, but I think Adoree Jackson. They should try. I just don't see why the Bills aren't trading for Adoree Jackson. But I get the Bills have been notoriously quiet the deadline, despite their fans wanting them to make noise every year. But it just makes so much sense for them. Like, would, okay, Kyrie Elam, the corner out of Florida, they drafted in the first round last year. It's been a healthy scratch. Would you do a straight up trade for Adoree for Elam? Was that a guy that you looked back at his draft profile and like this is a man coverage corner that could fit? He was a man coverage corner. He was. They asked him. To, he his actually his year brief. I don't know if sophomore or whatever film was better than his junior year, and then they asked him to do a lot that last year, and he didn't look nowhere near as good. I mean, I did not love Elam. He was one of my guys where I was lower than on him than the consensus, but it wasn't like lower on him. Like he's not a draftable player. But they, I mean, they've been healthy scratching him right, and I. I, you know, we always get excited about these guys, and then they end up being Boogie Basham and Isaiah Simmons. On yeah, I was just gonna say, I, I would rather just get a clean draft pick where I'd get excited about having a guy on a fresh four year deal than a, a, f- a former first round pick that's been a healthy scratch. So, well, if, I mean, if the trade composition is like a fifth or a sixth, it's like I kind of would, I would maybe rather take a swing on Elam than I yeah. would that. I don't know. We've also lost some day three picks through. You know, we lost it on like a boogie. I know it was a tra- it was a pick swap. That was but... a swap, but we did lose a seventh rounder for Simmons. So you know, maybe so maybe, maybe get, get some of those back. Maybe get one or two back to balance out the the draft pod next year. We did say yeah, we did say Quan Leonard Williams. I didn't think this was possible because of his contract. Jonathan Jones though reported that teams around the league some that think that he's available to be had with the right compensation which is obviously like one of those words like yeah everyone's available for the right compensation but he didn't like he in his article where he wasn't like just naming a player for every team i think he named like 10 players total and and jonathan jones is pretty well connected said like they're not going to trade saquon but leonard but uh other front offices believe leonard williams could be available do you think he's a giant when we're watching the raiders game on a live stream next sunday i do I do too. I don't see any trades happening. I'm kind of I, with I, I you, don't. even though I think the Giants should try and move. Xavier McKinney, we've done this one. 
Yeah, he's starting. If you have any like any thoughts of even keeping him, you, you keep him because you're not going to get a great. And then Paris Campbell, I've, I've been trying to speak into an existence of pick swap, to, but I just don't see it happening. The Chiefs traded for me. Cole Hardman screwed me. But Sky Moore did have a drop touchdown, by the way, on a pass play from Patrick Mahomes. That was beautiful. And maybe that was enough to get them to trade for Paris Campbell. Uh, who, would you ha- who would you rather have if you're a playoff team? Cole Beasley coming off the street or trading a, a day three pick for Paris Campbell? Cole Beasley off the street. There you go. Okay, that answers it. Why aren't the Chiefs getting Cole Beasley? Because um, they have Richie James. Imagine him and Tony on the same team. Oh, what a what a! They're like they, they would, literally they the ex, they are like the exact same people. They would get just along. One's white, one's black, but they're they like would, the ex, they would they would still never talk to each other. No, they would. They're the exact same people. I've seen I've seen Tony retweet Cole Beasley in the past. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they are the, the exact politi- same people. Both rappers. Do you think they have the same political beliefs? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, like I'm pretty confident that they do. Like I have reason <laughs> to believe that they do. Um. At least oh, when it, all right, whatever. I'm not doing this shit. All right. Uh, <laughs> last question. Who will be the Giants starting quarterback next Sunday when we are <laughs> watching the Raiders on a live stream from the John Boy Media Manhattan office? Oh, it was great to find out this morning from Adam Schefter. Nice little 7.30 a.m. reading from the parking lot that Daniel Jones has a disc issue and that he has very a very weak feeling in the left side of his body. That was Rappaport, but yes. Rappaport, did I say? Schefter? Adam Schefter. Nope. Diane yeah, Rossini uh, reported that it could be the Raiders game, and then Schefter reported that it would probably be the Cowboys game. You know what? I want to believe in something. Daniel Jones is going to start. I'm going to say Matt Barkley. Oh, yeah. Others have said Greg's dad. It would mean a lot to him. Greg's dad. It would mean a lot to Greg's dad. Uh, was that a 2021 joke? Yeah, that was end of the season. Because that was like season. after, like, who should be the Giants? I think it was after the first Jake Fromm game. And it was like, who should the Giants start at quarterback next Sunday? Yeah. And then Greg responded, my dad. It would mean a lot to him. And it just went, it just was huge. And then we called him, right? Oh, yeah. We had Greg's dad on the podcast. <laughs> Some are saying that's the last voicemail that we ever took. Um. Well, it wasn't a voicemail. I just literally, I interviewed him for five minutes. Oh, that's right. It was a, it was a, oh, I was, it was a live call, right? No. It was oh. just me and Greg and his dad, who would have meant a lot to. Can I say this? And we don't, like, if you guys have been listening to our podcast for five years, we almost never talk about the other team's fan base. Almost never. I kind of hate Jets fans. Yeah, I'm very much out. And just Jets personnel. Like, they are, they are, like, a pain in the ass to, to interact with, right? I and think their fans about, are stupid because they're, Personnel, coaches, and players are stupid. I think it, I really do think it's a trickle down effect. Like yeah. Robert Sala is like, it's nice to be the king of New York. It's like, are you out of your mind, dude? Like that's. So have you ever seen you're, the video? The of, Jets are walking away from this game, saying that they're the kings of New York. The kings, no, not only him, like, like Jalen Hyatt is like tweeting out memes and like I'm a stand on business. It's like they stopped throwing the ball because they had Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Um. They are they are insane. I think Brees Hall tweeted something out. Jalen Sauce Gardner is mentally weak, by the way, and I love him. I wish that he was on the New York Giants. Right, he was who I wanted in the draft um, that year, and I would still take him over Kayvon Thibodeau as good as Kayvon's playing lately. Uh 
he was like, yeah, this game meant a little more to me because Jalen Hyatt had an incomplete uh, pass in the preseason. Because Giants fans in the preseason were talking. Were- oh, my God, dude. We, what is- we got excited. Sue us. We got excited about our rookie third-round corner wide receiver running a double move and looking good against one of the best corners in the league with safety help over the top. Sue us. <laughs> So it's us. like I was looking forward to this game more because of that. My God, and their fans like you the said, people they, on Twitter. Yeah, dude. They um. So you tweeted out the Hyatt video, literally saying this video caused chaos. What will happen on Sunday? Like pointing out like how chaotic, and yeah. they did it again. They did it again, and it's like you. It's like yeah, you guys just missed the point consistently. Um. So Sauce had that quote. Zach, Zach Wilson, Zach had Wilson like was like, seconds. "Yeah, that's all I needed." It's like, my gosh, dude, you you barely you completed forty percent of your passes in this game. You needed you needed sixty minutes to more than sixty to win the game. <laughs> Twenty four seconds is all I you need, needed. You needed you needed fifty five minutes to. Where, you went off of a pass interference on an underthrown ball because of Dory Jackson. How long is, did it take him to pick up a first down? A, 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 on third down, it was the, like the like last five minutes of the game. <laughs> they need 55 minutes to pick up, to pick up a first it's down on insane. third down. It's insane, and their fans are insufferable. And again, we don't really do this with like 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 Eagles fans will get on us, but it's a little more like just nasty. And I kind of I'm like, hey, be nasty. That's fine, right? And it's like you guys are legitimately good. You guys deserve to be talking shit. Um, they're terrible. Oh yeah, but they're I mean they are four and three, right? So you give them that. They've beaten the Eagles. They've beaten the Bills, right? But it's just like, man, this is, and I don't, I don't mind the fans talking shit because it does mean a little more when it's Giants Jets. But the, the coaches and players, and again, Sauce Gardner, like I said, mentally weak. He's, he, you know, remember beginning the year he deleted his Twitter account because a troll account posted like CD Lamb stats versus Sauce Gardner, but they weren't technically versus Sauce Gardner because CD Lamb went in the slot, and then. Sauce Gardner went to Robert Sala that week and asked him to change the entire fucking defense so that he could follow the other team's wide receiver one because he was the people making fun of him on Twitter was bothering. Oh yeah. my god! This enti- the defense that works very well. He's like, can you just change this entire thing because people on Twitter are making fun of me? It's just in. It's it's. Oh my god! What do you think about Marash? We haven't really talked about this because he is our friend. Can I, I do? He goes over the top, right? I really wanted the Giants to win because the one of the first things that I was going to do the second that the Giants won, and I was going to tweet out like, "Kiss Sean Marash's fat ass." You know how he says, "Kiss my fat ass" on WFAN. Like he, I was going to say, "Kiss Sean Marash's fat ass," and I like I I was going to feel really happy for him if we if we won that game. Here's the thing: is Marash, he's definitely trolls, right? If there's one fan base to troll that heavy, it's probably the Jets fans because they just take the bait every single time. Yeah. And and there's always some truth in what you're saying, right? Even if you exaggerate a little bit. Um, Listen, he's I, not wrong. They're 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 bad. I, I yelled, I feel bad. I yelled at my friend Renato. Well, like his Zach Wilson like thing. It was like, okay, like that's a little. Oh, yeah, top. that's a little too much. But I, I turned around. It's overtime. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of being distraught and having like a breakdown. Um, I turned around to Renato. I yelled at him. I felt bad. I said, if you think that this roster is a Super Bowl contending roster with Aaron Rodgers, I said, you're out of your mind. This, they're so bad. They're bad. 
which maybe they will be. I, I, maybe they are if Aaron Rodgers is here. But well, they have a very good defense, right? And you have Garrett Wilson. And as much as I don't like Alan Lazard, he's had some production with Rodgers in the past. Um, they're just but, so bad. Yeah, they're. <laughs> it's just I can't. I, I again, there's we have not talked about fans on this show really at all, besides like making joking about the interaction we've had with Eagles fans. But like, I had some kid message me from Kenny College. Sure. And he was just like, "Idiot, you're so stupid, you clown." And I was just like, I will beat the shit out of you, young man. I find, I just had to let him know. And the people that were talking trash on you and stuff, I was like, I wish I was there today because I think I would have actually just fought somebody. Because it was just like, man, you guys are... Someone needs to smack you guys. I was having a good time. You know, and the thing is that they don't come out of the woodwork until, you know, the 30 seconds in which they started to take control of the game. I want to end off well, something celebrate positive. celebrate the win, right? Celebrate the win. But it's yeah, more celebrate like the, the coaches win, and don't players be a, Don't be an asshole it. about it. Um... I hate fat shaming. Makes me very conscious. Don't I don't make me mind lose, that. Don't don't make me lose forty pounds again. That's the last time I was fat shaming. I don't I don't mind that. But like the vitriol <laughs> they come at Marash, like they attack his kids and stuff. Oh my yeah, it was bad. Like, even was like, if walk- you think what Marash does is totally wrong, you're attacking his children. He was walking around MetLife, and even like you know they were yelling on his family. It was bad. Um, what week was the Bills game? For us? Yeah, for us. Week six. Week six, and now we're in week eight. I'm looking at an EPA chart of the Giants' defense over the last three weeks, and let's see where they are. Because I believe Week 8 is updated on the site. Uh, The Giants are second in EPA per play over the last three weeks. And this is on all downs, by the way. All downs. Good for us. Guess who's first? They only played two games because they had a bye week last week. Is it the Jets? The Jets. <laughs> Probably because we played each other's offenses this week. Yeah, but we we ha- at least we played like a guy they drafted second overall. They played a undrafted free agent. We also played Josh Allen three weeks ago. And they played Jalen Hurts though. They did. Ha! Ah. Anything Actually, you could do, I could do better. Hold on, I'm gonna. How do you? I, I may tweet that out. I may tweet that out. Defense weeks. Also, four years from now, or whenever we play them next, uh, I'm going to need you to come up to the game because parking at MetLife during a Giants-Jets game is chaos, and I'm going to need you to fuck some shit up if people try to take our stuff Minus and take our spots. Point two oh four. That's what I. That's what I need you for four years from now. So mental note. It was chaos. Huh. Every, everything about today was just straight up chaos. Yeah, I mean, the Browns have the number one EPA per play on the year, minus .172. Whoa, the Giants over the last three weeks would be the number one in the NFL for the season. Obviously, that's not how it works. For the whole season, the Giants are 19th in EPA per play, which they are. They do have an – it's negative, so it's good. It's um, good. But, I mean, they, they, weren't very good the, they weren't very good at the start of the season. No, they were bad at the start of the season. And Xavier McGinney spoken into existence that the defense was going to start uh, playing very well and that we couldn't blame them. They played well versus Seattle, too. All right, that's an episode. We'll be back Wednesday for a trade deadline reaction slash mailbag pod. Um, and then Friday, we'll be previewing the Raiders. By the way, I am... 
preview pod, we need to have a discussion about your decision on this Brees Hall Wandell Robinson. Oh, it was thing. really bad, right? We're gonna have to go through some scenarios. So we will see you then. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you Wednesday. Until then, let's go big blue.